new banger? What you think? <laughs> From who? From who? You haven't heard? Let, let's put it on. Let, let, let's let's put this on for the people. Another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. The whole world can suck a D with no hands. They all love to see me fall like the seam of those pants. Kill you with opinions, disagree, and go ham. The sense of me would be like trying to cover me with no hands. Mm. My boy Cole Beasley has bars absolutely how how you feeling how he came on the track with those first four bars i mean he came in hot i respect it the whole world can suck a d with no hands (laughs) i mean he's telling he's telling you the vibe he's on right right away he's fed up with the critics hey i respect that vibe though i'd be on that same vibe dude like yeah yeah i mean i I respect it we gotta we gotta listen to the rest of us of the song though yeah yeah let's keep it going let's get to the part here where he disses COVID 19 ain't a vaccination for me only in evacuation save them home i know that you mad it ain't even fair i got heavy nuts fuck everyone (laughs) (laughs) he's got heavy nuts hang on hang on i don't think you heard him let's uh let's bring that back right here hold up I got heavy nuts. I got heavy nuts. I got heavy nuts. I got heavy nuts. He's got heavy nuts, yo. <laughs> Is that a good thing? Do you want to have heavy nuts? I think so. I mean, that's right. the ti- that's the title of the song, Heavy Ones. I-, I didn't know when I clicked on it originally that he was referring to his nuts, but he makes it pretty clear. I mean vaccination what do you say vaccination ain't for ain't, everyone or he said, or he said ain't, ain't no vaccination homie only evacuations or some shit like that <laughs> i mean oh. that doesn't make any sense to me but <laughs> I get i get where he's going yeah all right i mean as far as like dissing viruses it's, yeah, it's pretty mean, good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know why you're making a diss track about uh, a virus that has started a global pandemic but <laughs> You know, you do you. It's kind of unfair because the virus can't like hop in the studio and come back at him. It's like a one-sided fight, <laughs> right? All right, hold up. Hold, let's let's keep it going because this this song is a banger. He really catches his his flow at this point. I've been wrecking shit. Now I'm driving with a record when my record spins. No, y'all tired of me. Uh. Strong willed. I'm a monster truck. Y'all at Tonka trucks. I've been wired up enough. Energy to light them up. Bring in a fire truck. I'm going up the ladder like the weather. I'm a climate fuck. Tell them like a cherry on top. Drop fairy sweet rappers like some dairy on the pot. Shit, scary on the pot. Smoking teddies, holds a pot. Rappers barely hold a plot. Have them buried on the spot. Bitch, carry on the flop like a belly in the I mean, he was flowing. I'm not even gonna lie. He, he, he was, was he was going in right there. He was he definitely flowing, but I mean, the bars were definitely lacking. I think I don't even know what he was saying. He wasn't even making sense. He was just rhyming words together. But he was flowing. He was flowing for sure. You know, he he caught that pocket. Let, let's listen to the end of the song here. This is where he gets um, you know, like really deep. You know, where he gets to the message to his point. Out here bragging, why you kissing every rapper's dick? I'm laughing, it's a whoa, whoa, joke. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Meanwhile, I'm the wackest rapper, cause there's padding in my clothes. I can't mm. catch a beat, cause I catch passes in the zone. Y'all some deaf critics, definitely defecate till death sentence. Depths of six feet, then it's dead crickets. Okay, Bitches. I see the wordplay with the, with the death, like death. Yeah. <laughs> yep, Shut yep. my mouth, you're gonna hard. have to kill me. It's freedom of speech and freedom of choice go out the window. There's no freedom at all. 
Mm. I mean, you're gonna have to kill him. <laughs> gonna have to kill him for him to shut his mouth. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's probably a decent chance of him dying. Um, you know, without being vaccinated. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what a song, dude! That's a banger. I I hope that he drops a whole album. I hope this is just the lead single. Now, conspiracy theory time, and then we could get out of here. What if all of his tweets and you know antics are just publicity for his upcoming album to get more streams so he's just gotta you know do anything for clout tweeted about that last night like he's just strictly trying to get engagement and get his name out there so when he drops his album people are like okay let's go listen to this cole beasley album see if he dropped any more covid references or, or whatever i mean it's a it's definitely got rollout vibes like he's trying to roll this project out maybe yeah. it's like a backup plan because he knows that he's gonna get cut and he needs to become a rapper because he won't be a receiver for very long. <laughs> you think, uh, you know, Brandon Bean heard this track and was like, oh, I'm really glad that this is a member of our team. He's got heavy <laughs> knots. He probably didn't listen to the track, to be honest. Oh, but... he listened to the track. You know, Bill's PR brought this to him. He's like, yo, did you know that Cole had heavy nuts? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 154 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we've got NFL news breaking daily as training camps continue across the league. We'll give our thoughts on some of the most fantasy relevant stories going on right now in the NFL. Also, the time has come, Joey. We mm -hmm. talk about it. This is the DFS does, after all, and DFS is around the corner. NFL Week 1 prices have been released on DraftKings. It's a great day to be alive, great day to start taking a way-too-early look at the Week 1 slate. We'll also give our thoughts on tonight's Hall of Fame game that'll be on. Uh, that game will kick off Thursday night, the day that this podcast is released, if you're listening, so you can check that out tonight on DraftKings if you are a true degenerate. But Joey, before we get into any DraftKings talk, there have been some major stories breaking in the NFL, especially in Indianapolis, where both Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are slated to miss significant time. Yeah, so they both have the same injury to their foot. I'm not exactly sure what the injury is, but the time span for them to be out is 5 to 12 weeks. So if everything goes right, both of them technically could be back for the start of week one, which starts September 9th for the Thursday night game. But uh, the first slate of Sunday games is the 12th. So if everything goes right, both of them could be back in time for that game. I will say, I think Carson Wentz is kind of a lock to miss mm -hmm. multiple games. And I think Quentin Nelson does have a chance to come back earlier. He didn't have any known foot problems before this, but Carson Wentz did. So I think that's the difference with them. But as long as Carson Wentz is out and Jacob Eason is the starting quarterback, I mean, they're going to be abysmal on offense. And I definitely yep. think it hurts the stock of some of the Colts skill position players as well. Well, you know, obviously we're in these best ball streets on the regular, you know, the puppy two just launched on underdog hundred K up top for a $5 tournament in best ball. You love to see it. And, and something that's been going on this week 
is the fall of Jonathan Taylor. He, he has officially exited the first round in almost every draft. He's now available in the mid-second. Do you think that that is sort of a fair reaction to this news? Because if this offense tanks and we've already got concerns about how much he'll split with Marlon Mack healthy and Naheem Hines inevitably having his role as a pass catcher, I mean, God, you know how, how far does Jonathan Taylor fall for you? How concerned are you? I am not too concerned about the injuries because I don't know if much changes. I I think that obviously the Colts could be losing in a lot of these early games, but they already had a tough schedule to start the season to begin with. So just in regards to Jonathan Taylor, I think the correction is correct. I don't think he should have been a first round pick to begin with just because of some of the uncertainties uh, regarding his volume, like will he split with Marlon Mack? Then Hines obviously is a factor in the passing game. So I just think for those reasons, he should have never been a first round pick. Obviously people love the talent and love the upside and I do as well. But I do think some of the guys that were going below him that are now going above him are better to begin with like DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. I think those guys should have been going above Jonathan Taylor to begin with. So I I think it I think it's a fair reaction, but if you can get them like around pick twenty pick 21, which I've seen him fall to that. I I think that's good value. Mm -hmm. I agree. I've taken a couple shares in the second round. Uh, You know, if Quentin Nelson comes back, they still will have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And, you know, with Carson Wentz likely to miss some time, I think that they would probably lean more heavily on Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor, even if the overall ceiling goes down with Carson Wentz. It's not like Carson Wentz was a major difference maker. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. So, I mean, you know, Jacob Eason, probably a significant downgrade, but... Like, how how much of a downgrade, though? Yeah, it (laughs) it could be overstated, Carson Wentz's uh, impact. And I think it's pretty funny that, you know, all the the memes of people saying, bring Nick Foles in to replace him. I mean, yeah, Nick Carson Foles. Carson Wentz would be tight. Yeah, that that would be hilarious. But yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz isn't that good. I think his impact has definitely been overstated. Just with Jonathan Taylor, there's just concerns in the pass game, I think, especially mm-hmm. with Eason at quarterback. You know, what's his target outlook look like? This was a guy that averaged, what, like three targets per game last season, only went over four targets two times. He had a game with five targets and a game with six targets. Other than that, he was at one to two per game. And that was with dump-off King Philip Rivers. I think think his lack of target opportunity in pass game work limits his ceiling just on a weekly basis and a season basis too uh, because you're going to need him to go over 100 yards and score a touchdown for him to hit a ceiling and probably multiple touchdowns so you know you talked about some of the players that you'd take ahead of him you know where would you gauge him compared to some of the running backs with high pass catching upside in the second round like Antonio Gibson and and Clyde Edwards Hilaire see I'm high on Antonio Gibson so I definitely would have him above JT and the player that we're going to talk about soon CEH is tough because I think the the pass game role is there, but I don't know if the Chiefs want to use him as a workhorse. And honestly, I don't think he's a workhorse in the NFL. I think it was a reach just in terms of like real life in the draft. JT should have went above him. Swift should have went above him. So I'm not too high on CEH. I mean, he's fine, but I don't think he's 
just a very talented running back at all. So I'd keep him where he's going right now. I'd probably even have him a little bit lower. Obviously, people love the running back that is attached to the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes, but I'm just not high on CEH's talent. So I I definitely would have Jonathan Taylor above CEH personally. Well, let's talk about a running back whose talent is undeniable, and that's Nick Chubb, who was rewarded for his talent with a three-year extension with Mm -hmm. the Browns, $36.6 million. 20 of it guaranteed joey i know that you are somebody who is passionate about uh big money running back extensions yeah i mean it's just horrible i mean this contract isn't horrible let me put that out there it's not Mm. a three-year 36 million dollar contract 12 million per year that's solid for nick chubb you know some say he's the best pure runner in the NFL. If he's not the best, he's probably number two to Derrick Henry. So mm-hmm. I, I do think he is top two, and I do think he deserves to be paid. But just from a team perspective, I think paying you know a running back top tier money is suboptimal, and then paying two of the 12 highest paid running backs in terms of average salary per year is not optimal at all, which the Browns are doing with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So, I mean, just bad process, but obviously they're both great players. They deserve the contracts they got. I just wouldn't have gave them both contracts if I was the Browns. Like, that's that's kind of dumb. Yeah, I mean, at least it wasn't as egregious as like the Derrick Henry contract or the Ezekiel Elliott contract. The Zeke contract is the most egregious contract of all time. I'm not even joking. A $90 million contract with $50 million guaranteed and $15 million per year. No, that that's crazy. I mean, if you're like, I love Zeke as much as the next guy, but if you're telling me he's getting more guaranteed than Nick Chubb by $30 million, that's that's just absolutely insane. And, you know, looking at Chubb, He'll turn 26 years old in December. So if he lasts this whole three years, they have him until he's 29 and then they can sort of yeah. you know, go from there. I think I think this is a fair contract for Nick Chubb. It is. Um, it and is. especially with what this team is trying to do. Obviously, like you said, it they've got Chubb, they've got Hunt. They're going to lean heavily on the run game. So I, I get locking Nick Chubb up. But I agree with you that, you know, obviously optimal team building isn't going to start by paying two running backs top tier money. Yeah, definitely not. And I, I mean, I wouldn't never do it. I'm never giving a running back more than like $8 million total. (laughs) All right. uh, Switching over to some wide receiver news. We had a Kenny Galladay scare, although it was reported this morning that the injury appears not to be too serious. More tests to be done soon. Are you worried about Kenny Galladay and sort of the reports out of Giants camp that this team is struggling? They're getting into fights. Danny Dimes is throwing haymakers against, you know, defensive backs and shit. I I don't really know what's going on in New York, but if they lose Kenny Galladay, could open the door for Darius Slayton. I think Godius is going to have a role no matter if Kenny is healthy or not. I think he's the wide receiver three in that offense. But obviously, if Kenny goes down, Slayton steps into that alpha wide receiver one role again. But obviously, I I think that would be a detriment to the Giants and Daniel Jones to not have Kenny G on the field. But this is a guy that's missed games in three out of four seasons in the NFL. So it's like nothing new for him. He's made out of glass. You, You should know he was obviously on the Lions and you love the Lions with all of your heart so (laughs) Kenny G is is made of glass not surprised that he's dealing with a hamstring I feel like he's dealt with a hamstring injury his entire career just in terms of the Giants offense I mean Jason Garrett's offensive coordinator we know he sucks Joe Judge is probably a 
stone donkey at head coach. Daniel Jones is ass. I could definitely see the Giants being a five-win team again. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about my Daniel Jones exposure, which is high on all best ball sites. I'm, I'm getting very concerned because, you know, all reports are that he has not looked that good. And if Kenny Galladay isn't there, I mean, they're going to be in the same exact situation they were in last year. Maybe Saquon Barkley comes back fully healthy and and changes things a little bit, but I'm pretty worried about this Giants team and and the fact that I have a lot of exposure to almost every player in it. Yeah, it's uh, probably uh, not optimal, I think, because Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. Um, it's that simple. I mean, honestly, it, it is that, that simple for, for me personally. <laughs> He's not good. He's Sticking not good. in the division, Devontae Smith is set to miss two to three weeks with an MCL. Does this have anything to do with the fact that he is 170 pounds playing wide receiver in the league? Maybe. That's the concern, isn't it, with him? Yeah, that is the concern for many analysts out there is that, you know, he's undersized for a wide receiver. There is some people that think it isn't a concern and he'll be just fine. I don't know. I'm not a BMI specialist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he can play in the NFL at 170 pounds or or whatever he is. But I do know that this is a former Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver which is a great feat in itself to win a Heisman at a skill position and not at quarterback. And I'm just willing to bet on his talent. Obviously, he's going to be ready for the regular season. I would say there's not much competition for targets on the Eagles. Yeah, you have Goddard. You have the corpse of Zach Ertz. You have Jalen Rieger, by all accounts, who is not good. So I think Devontae Smith is the alpha wide receiver one. He's going to be the main target for Jalen Hurts this season, and I and I still like him. Um, in best ball too. Maybe a donkey pick may not, maybe he isn't durable for his entire NFL career. I don't, I don't know, but I do know that he's going to get targets and his ADP isn't, isn't terrible in the, in the seventh and eighth round. Yep. And if it continues to drop due to fear of this uh, injury, despite him in no danger of missing week one, I'll be continuing uh, to buy Devontae Smith. The last story I want to touch on here uh, has sort of been a new story that's been really taking over the talk of Twitter this morning, and it's the struggles with the Cincinnati offense. Joe Burrow has reportedly not been able to overcome the offensive line concerns. He's been throwing a lot of picks. Every, Every catch is a contested catch, and this is kind of a concern that we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast that, you know, this offensive line is so bad that it might derail everybody's high hopes for the players like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. The talent is obviously there for the skill position players, but if the offensive line is so bad and Joe Burrow has no time and he's getting sacked at one of the highest rates, this could cause, you know, a major problem. Are you concerned at this point with Joe Burrow or do you think that this team will be able to get it together in time for week one? I think they'll be able to get it together for sure. Do I think they should have taken an offensive lineman? Obviously, they should have went with Sewell. You know, you want to protect your franchise quarterback the guy you took number one overall the season before. So I think taking Jamar Chase was probably the wrong pick, but they did go out and sign Riley Reef. You know, they went out and drafted a couple offensive linemen. So they got some new faces there, some some better guys. So their offensive line should be better, but 
I think it's important to note that Joe Burrow, when he played last year, he wasn't that good. You know, sometimes we get real life and fantasy blended together, and that Mm. blends our opinions and biases of certain players. And I think Joe Burrow is one of those guys where he falls into that category. Like, we loved Joe Burrow for fantasy last year because the Bengals were throwing 50, 60 times a game, and he was just racking up yards and, and fantasy points. But just because he's good in fantasy, doesn't mean he was good in real life which he wasn't he was actually not good to just put it like that like Joe Burrow was not a great quarterback obviously the the hope is that he turns it around with you know an an elite core of skill position guys this year but he does lack the arm strength of, of some of the top tier quarterbacks in the NFL he wasn't that accurate and then obviously coming off a torn ACL with a subpar offensive line I think there is some room for concern definitely in 2021. Yeah, I mean, my major concern is the ADPs of the Bengals wide receivers, except for maybe Tyler Boyd and, and, you know, Joe Mixon to me. I have some concern about at this point as well with, you know, the offensive line. Yeah, they added those guys, but there's no consistency. There's, you know, there's so many new faces there. And we know that like congruency in the offensive line is one of the most important factors. And, you know, these players getting reps together is very important. So hopefully they can do that in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I'm not too concerned about Joe Burrow as a talent right he came out of college as one of the safest picks you know in a long time and then he only played 10 games as a rookie in the pandemic season like i i think that we can feel confident that joe burrow's not a bad quarterback right yeah no i don't think he's a bad quarterback i just don't think he has the elite upside of a guy like mahomes watson rogers etc like i i think he's going to be a solid nfl quarterback for his career and maybe i'm wrong and maybe does turn elite i'm just saying based on last season he wasn't great by any means like he didn't blow anybody away with what he was doing if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense yep i think that does make sense all right let's get into it joey it was, it was a great day last week when we opened up the DraftKings app and saw that the week one slate was open, the prices were out, and we have two week one millimakers at different price points. We've got a $5 millimaker and a $100 millimaker, two contests with a million dollars up front. Is this the year? Joey, is this the year where you ship the milli? This is, what, the fourth year of our podcast? You've you know been telling the listeners that every year was the year. Is this the year? Well, I, I started saying that last season, right? Like really, really saying. I it think you said it on season. the first episode of this podcast. <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. Maybe I did, but you know, in life, you got to speak what you want into existence. You know, if you believe you can't do something, you're never gonna do it because it's just all about the mindset. You know, the barrier. So I do believe that I can and I will eventually win a millimaker and. You know, I think this season and week one is probably the the best time to do it. You know, everybody's on an even playing field. Um, the stats from last season really don't matter that much. There's going to be a lot of variance, a lot of different roster constructions. So I think week one is, is probably the best time to do it. And they uh, helped out by doing a $100 millimaker with 28,000 entries. So I would definitely be throwing one entry into that and then probably a couple into the $5 one, even though that that's pure lottery. Um, so probably not going to win that one. But what do, they, what do they got? A million? A million yeah, plus? Yeah, a million entries. That's um, insane. That's absolutely I'll be insane. I'll be curious to see if they go with these two 
for the duration of the season or if this is just a week one thing. I think my inclination is that it's just week one where they're just running two and then from week two on it's going to go back to the $20, 230000 millimaker. So I think that's what I think is going to happen with that, but I, I do believe that I can I can win a million maker this season. All right, brother. We'll, well, I mean, we'll keep tabs on that. I got faith in you as well. I'm also going to be winning one as as I will be changing my strategy. Last year, I, I single bullet entered with uh, Darius Slayton locked in every single week as part of the Godius challenge, and I lost all my money doing that. So we're going to yeah, be switching don't, up don't the strategy. This don't year, it might be the Gabriel Davis challenge, but we'll save that for another pod. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that either. <laughs> Hey, please, I won. I, I won a tourney last year in week one, and and I'm coming to win one of these too. It might be that hundred dollar milli, but we'll see how that goes, Joey. In terms of you know just some overarching themes, when you looked through these DraftKings prices for week one, what are some things that stood out to you? Um, just you know, sort of as a whole on the slate. Yeah, I mean, it's just like any other week one where a majority of the positions are underpriced. Wide receivers are underpriced. Running backs, in my opinion are underpriced. So like I mentioned before, there's going to be a lot of different lineup constructions. Um, There's going to be a lot of variance in week one. And I think you just have to use that variance to your favor, use the leverage in your favor. Obviously it's August 4th. We don't know like who's going to be chalk, who's not. So we'll talk about that in a month, but it week one is just the prime opportunity to just go away from the chalk, just play Honestly, whoever you want, the salary is so loose that I that I think you could fit in pretty much any guy that you want to play uh, that that makes sense for your lineup. So that's just how I'm approaching it for tournaments specifically. Obviously, we'll we'll dive into cash game construction because I, I think there are some core cash plays that you're gonna have to make um, even a month out uh, mm-hmm. just because some of these salaries are so bad. But yeah, man just leverage and play whoever you want. Yeah, it's definitely soft already. And, you know, we see this trend every single year because they release, you know, the salaries a month ahead of the season. Like it's going to be continually softer because, you know, players are going to get injured between now and then. And, you know, yeah, it's yeah. going to open up value. It's it's going to be crazy. So yeah. um, this is just a very, very early look, you know, some, some just sort of general things. We'll get way more you know, specific into this for our week one breakdown, which, you know, can't wait for that. The The big overarching theme that I sort of realized when I looked at this is that they didn't make any major changes to the salary structure like they did last season. So last season, if you'd been playing DraftKings uh, before, you would have known that like there were running backs priced at 3000 um, and they raised that last season so that the lowest price running backs were 4k. Uh, they didn't make any major changes like that. We've still got just about all of the same floors, uh, you know, 4K quarterbacks. The the most expensive quarterbacks are around 8,000. We see the same, you know, floor ceilings in terms of salary for all of the positions. So a lot of the times when these salaries are released, there's a big correlation to ADP, uh, you know, throughout best ball season. And it's sort of based off of that. You know, the quarterbacks are usually in the same order, running backs in the same order. You know, we see that at the top with Christian McCaffrey being the, the most expensive player on the slate. He's the clear one-on-one in drafts. But there are also some discrepancies. Um, A lot of things that stand out to me, Jalen Hurts 
being priced as the QB9, you know, below guys like Deshaun Watson, who, you know, I highly doubt is even playing in week one, and Aaron Rodgers and Tannehill, two guys that he's always drafted ahead of. Aaron Jones is the running back 10 behind Eckler, Swift, Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor, which is interesting. And, and there's a handful of examples like this. And, and I think things to take advantage of if you've been in these best ball streets and if you understand player valuations, I think that you can find an edge that way. Yep, that definitely, definitely makes sense. Obviously, you got to adjust for, for the salaries, but you know it if, you know, T. Higgins is a fourth round pick in best ball and he's priced at 4700 that he's probably a good play in yeah. week one. He's the wide receiver 41 in pricing on DraftKings. Well, what wide are, receiver what are, 41. What are we doing? He's being drafted as what, a top 24. Four wide receiver. I think he's the yes. wide receiver twenty-two yep. on underdog fantasy. There's uh, one major discrepancy right there, and you can find them all over the player pool as well. So definitely a thing to keep an eye on. Antonio Gibson, RB eighteen. You're like Jesus, fifty-nine hundred, and some of the wide receivers. Yeah, Higgins is one, but there's a bunch. Like Lavisca Chanel is five K, which which is entirely too cheap. Jamar Chase is under five uh, K as well. There, there's mm-hmm. a lot of spots I think to to pay down and and just sort of jam in the expensive players that you want, like you said. But you know, in terms of a way too early lock, Joey, who who stands out to you? Are there any pe- players that you know you saw their price and you already decided on on August fifth? that you're locking these players into your week one lineup. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, why not have locks on <laughs> August 4th or August 5th, you know, six weeks before the season starts? Yeah. Got to have your locks already. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple. I'm not even trolling. For cash games, I have like three, three locks. <laughs> you already got your core? I already you got, got my core. core. I, I mean, dude, anybody that looks at this, and obviously it's way too early and we're kind of just trolling right now just with our locks, but... I'm not trolling. Kind of trolling, but I'm not trolling. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, maybe a little bit. But I I think unless an injury occurs, there's a clear-cut quarterback that we're going to play in cash games. And a stone lock, as I would say. An absolute stone lock is Jalen Hurts at 6,400. Yes, sir. Absolute, like, dude. Oh, my God. He's going to be like 60% owned week one in double ups. You think so? I already know it. People hate Jalen Hurts, though. Dude. This is a this is a guy that is 6400 has as high of a rushing floor as any other quarterback in the NFL. It went over 60 yards on the ground in three of his four starts, and then combine that with the fact that they're playing Atlanta, the worst defense from last season. They gave up the most DraftKings points to quarterbacks in 2020. They gave up the most passing yards per game to quarterbacks in 2020. They gave up like the seventh or eighth most rushing yards to quarterbacks last season. It's just an absolute nut spot for Jalen Hurts on the ground and through the air. Like that, that's going to be a, a game where I feel like a lot of people are going to target just an absolute lock. Yep. Honestly, and, so and just a, a stone lock already. I don't care. I'll say it. I'll be that guy. I mean, it's it's hard to argue. And you even look, you know, you don't really have to stack a player like Jalen Hurts because he can hit his ceiling without throwing touchdowns. But at the same time, Devontae Smith, 4,500. Jalen Rieger, 3,700. Even Fulgham is 4K. And if you're trying to bring it back, Joey, I'll, I'll go as far as to say there's a stone lock on the other side of the oh, ball. Of course. In of Atlanta. Course. A young man by the name of Kyle Pitts, who is 
4,400. He is the tight end eight in pricing on DraftKings. I don't understand why this man is priced below guys like Mike Kosicki, Logan Thomas, Dallas Goddard. It makes absolutely no sense. I don't think he'll be priced below 5K again for the rest of the season after he drops 25 plus on Philly in week one. Oh, I agree 100%. And he's one of my locks as well at tight end. Like, first of all, he fits the never pay up at tight end strategy. 4,400, you know, we, we'd much rather play like a 2,500 guy, but 4,400 is, isn't bad, right? Obviously, you have Kelsey at the top 8,300, never playing him in cash games. If you play him, you're a donkey. Yep. So then you have generational talent in Kyle Pitts, 4,400 at home as the number two option on a team that's going to pass the ball 35 to 40 times a game, and he's a red zone threat, and the Eagles' defense isn't great. God, just a absolute stone lock at tight end. Like As soon as I opened the tight end pool, this is where my eyes went. I just saw Kyle <laughs> Pitts in 4,400. Oh, yeah, it's on. It's like, on. I don't, I don't see a reason to not play him. I, I literally I don't have one reason why he should not be a 80% cash game player in week one. Like, I mean, I don't know a reason to not jam him into 150 lineups. Yeah, what more do you want out of Kyle Pitts? Generational talent, opportunity is going to be there. The game flow is going to be there. You know, the game script is going to be there. I don't, I don't, I don't know. If people don't play him, I mean, geez, highest drafted tight end in NFL history. Yeah, yeah. What, like, what more else do you want from Kyle Pitts? And like you said, this is going to be the lowest price he is all season. Obviously, we're going to capitalize on it. It was the same thing with Logan Thomas earlier mm-hmm. in the season last year. Like those prices were the lowest prices you were going to get them at, and we we played them every single week to start the year, and it worked out. So Kyle Pitts, forty four hundred, stone lock. Couldn't agree more, Joey. Do you got one more before we get out of here? Yeah. So you know we we've said quarterback, tight end. Uh, we mentioned a couple of wide receivers that we like that maybe aren't locks, but I but I think a running back that he might not be an auto lock or a stone lock like Hurts and Pitts, but I think he could be a lock for me personally. Maybe I'm just biased towards him, but you're gonna need salary relief, and I think this player provides you it. Chase Edmonds is 4600 on the road in Tennessee. You know he's the pass catching back, so obviously very good on DraftKings as a full PPR site. Like I said, salary relief 4600, you know, as your RB2 or RB3 if you want to go the three running back route instead of four wide receivers. I, I think he could be one of the best plays on the board in cash games just a safe floor I think he's going to see opportunity and the game script could go in favor of Chase Edmonds could also not go in favor because the Tennessee defense is absolutely horrendous but I think a lot of points are going to be scored in this game Mm -hmm. and I think he's a good candidate to see five six catches in in the, in this spot maybe a touchdown so if he's getting you five catches at 4600 i think he's a, a a very good cash game play i don't i don't know if he's an auto lock to me at this point but he he might get there I mean, I definitely think that you have to have some exposure in week one. This That's going to be one of the best games to target, I think. You know, two high-powered offenses with a lot of weapons. Yes. And, you know, look, I, I mean, I've been opposed to Chase Edmonds at points in the offseason. I, I don't necessarily love taking him in, like, the sixth round in, in best ball. But when you tell me that he is 4,600, priced as the RB35 on DraftKings in a potential shootout, 
I mean, Jesus Christ, I'm jamming. I'm yeah. in. I'm right six, there. Six hundred above the floor. It, like it's just way too low. Insane. Like, bro, Devin Singletary and Philip Lindsay and Sony Michelle are priced above him. Do I need to say anything else? What are we doing? Let's be real. Chase Edmonds is probably gonna get like 15 touches. In this game, probably like six targets, 10 attempts. But if you're getting 15 touches out of a 4,600 player and you're getting five catches, six catches, I mean, yeah, he might not hit his ceiling, but at 4,600, you need him to score like 14, 15 points as, you know, your RB3 and he's a good salary relief. And I I just think he allows you to make one of the best possible lineups, especially if you want to go with two high-priced running backs or two high-priced wide receivers, which I think is going to be a route where a lot of people go yep i agree 100 percent with that joey before we get out of here tonight the hall of fame game the beginning of the preseason is underway we're going to see some really ugly play in this game definitely no dak prescott definitely no ben roethlisberger i mean this this slate is such an unknown that if you look on DraftKings, it's just a pure pick em. every player has the same exact salary my question is are are you are we are we degenerate enough to play this slate i mean we're definitely degenerate enough i probably am not gonna play Mm. just because like you gotta know your you gotta know your strengths right Mm -hmm. and and your weaknesses and i outlined it in the video that we did earlier in the year where we went over our 2020 results and we we talked about some things that we're gonna do moving forward and one of mine was just kind of completely eliminating showdowns from my game selection obviously it's gonna be hard especially with these island games on, on thursday night and Monday night football in the regular season. But for preseason, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with just completely not playing at all. Obviously, you're going to have to scour Twitter for information on who's going to get the most playing time. The defenses will probably be popular options in this too. Uh, I, I just think the amount of work and time that you have to put in for preseason DFS just isn't worth it for me personally. But obviously, everybody's different. Yep. And, and that's a good point. It's like, you know, for me, I also should probably uh, eliminate showdowns, but that's hard, you know, especially like week one, the first game, like I'm obviously, oh, I mean, definitely going to play that. Yeah. Like one, 100, that's, to, there's going to be a millimaker maker for that. Yes. Uh, so the prize pools aren't big enough for this. And I, I just don't think that the edge is there necessarily. I mean, I guess it can be in certain spots and I might dabble a little bit in preseason here and there, you know, if there's a really good spot where we know a quarterback is going to get a bunch of time and, you know, we, we hear some reports ahead of time. I might dabble, might dip my toes in, but I think I'm okay fading the hall of fame game. It, it to me, there's just too much variance too much luck involved uh with this Mm -hmm. and i don't think that it's i think it's just like straight gambling i think that there's a lot less skill i I would rather dedicate any money that i was going to do you know for that into you know puppy two entries or or something like that where i feel like i have a substantial edge no i i'm definitely on board with that i mean some people would disagree and say that like it's it's all skill to like Mm -hmm. go out like i said on twitter and figure out who's going to get the most playing time, who's not going to play at all, etc. So I think uh, some people would push back on that. But I do agree that it is a lot of variance, especially on showdown slides. Like, I think it's more variance than normal, obviously, when you're picking you know, six, six uh, roster spots out of one game, and you just need everything to break right in order for you to split first place. Yeah. Because there's hardly ever one winner. Like, like you could be in first place for, you know, three and a half quarters and then one play 
and you're out of the cash. Like it's just yep. the swings are insane in showdown. And I, I can't yep. imagine that I that I wanna, you know, subject myself to that to watch, you know, the fourth string players and on Dallas and I'm I'm not watching that game, period. Yeah. Like absolutely not. I, I'd ra- I'd rather work, like just go out <laughs> and work and, and make money instead of, you know, grinding this preseason game and playing showdown and, and trying to make money like that. Like uh, that that's just something that I, I feel like is not good for me personally, but everybody's different, like I said. Yeah, I, I would rather like you know go over to the the homie's house and play poker, get some free some free cash from my friends because mm. they all suck at poker. Mm. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I think that that is going to be it for episode 154 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you guys follow us on twitter at the dfs dose as well as our personal twitters i am at ben hover joey's at joey carrion dfs new episodes of the podcast drop every thursday on spotify apple soundcloud and every other podcast platform on the internet we'll be back on august 12th with episode 155 you can check out our youtube channel the dfs dose where we do live streams weekly put up clips from the podcast and have other content coming out constantly to our listeners out there just know that we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic fuckers I got heavy nuts. I got heavy nuts. I got heavy nuts. <laughs>